In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we continue this morning in the book of Romans. Last week in Romans 9, we heard that God's word does not fail. We heard that God's word has not failed the Jewish people. We heard that the true descendants of Abraham are those who have faith in the promises of God. And these are the promises given to us through the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Saving faith is to trust in these promises given to us in Christ. And so we're reminded that we're not saved by external things. We're not saved because of our ancestry or our family. We're not saved by what we do, but we're saved because God gives us faith to hold on to his word. So we're reminded that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, American, Nigerian, whoever you are, you are saved by trusting in Christ alone. In Romans 10, then, the big idea grows onto this. The big idea that Paul wants us to hear is that God's promises to you are now delivered through the preaching of the word. And salvation is available to all, Jew or Gentile, American, Nigerian, whatever it is. Salvation is available to all through preaching. Our reading from Romans 10 begins with a little explanation of Deuteronomy chapter 9 and Deuteronomy chapter 30. So in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy was a sermon that Moses had delivered to the Israelites as they stood on the brink of entering the Promised Land. A generation had passed since the Israelites left Egypt, and now it was time for the new generation to be led into the Promised Land. In Deuteronomy 9, Moses reminds the people that they're inheriting the land only because God has promised it to them, and that he has made a promise to their father Abraham. They're not being given the land because they're more righteous, because there's something uniquely special about them. They're not inheriting the land by their own merit, but by God's promise. And they will take the land only by God's strength. And so Moses is warning the people not to put confidence in themselves or their own abilities, but to trust in God alone. And then in Deuteronomy 30, Moses preaches to the people that the word of God is near them. He says, when you get to the promised land, the word of God will be there with you. You don't have to ascend to heaven to find it. You don't have to descend to the abyss to find it. You don't have to travel across the ocean to find it. But Moses promises that God's word will be near them. But Paul says when, Mo when Moses says this, the Jewish people interpret it as law. They hear that the word of the law is near them. They know that God's command and God's demands of them are near them. And so they had falsely come to believe that they were being saved because they had God's law. They had his commands and demands. And so they had this idea that God was near to them because the law was near to them. St. Paul is going to read it a little bit differently for us, though. St. Paul is going to connect these ideas, but instead of talking about the word as law, he's going to talk about the word as Jesus Christ, who is the gracious good news for us. Jesus is the word that does it all for us. And so Paul is going to proclaim to us that we're not saved by our own merits, but we are saved by what Christ does for us alone. And so we don't have to do great spiritual feats to access this word. We don't have to ascend by heaven 
ascend to heaven by following the law because we can't do it. So instead, Paul preaches differently to us. He says that Jesus Christ is near to you now. The word of God is not far from you, but near. And you don't have to work to bring Jesus down to you. You don't have to live a perfect life in hopes that Christ will come be your friend. You don't have to do some majestic spiritual experience to get close to Christ. Instead, he comes down to you. Christ is near to you. And this leads up to the big point of Romans 10. Christ is near to you not through doing the law, not through being perfectly obedient by being good, but Christ comes near to you through hearing the proclamation of the gospel. Here, here's what Paul says in Romans 10. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? How are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? And you can see the chain of reasoning here. Unless we have a preacher, we won't know Christ. Unless someone delivers the gospel to us, how can we know it? It is through preaching that God brings Christ to you. You hear the good news of what Christ has done for you, how he has taken on flesh for you, how he has died for the forgiveness of your sins, and then hearing that gospel, the Holy Spirit opens your ears and opens up your heart. Faith is hearing that good news and trusting in it for your salvation. God works through the means of the preached word to you. God works through your ears and then into your heart. And God always works through means on our behalf. We are bodily creatures. We experience the world through our senses. And so God often gives us external means to bring Christ to us. We hear the word preached with our ears. We hear it, whether it's from this pulpit, whether it's from the altar at Holy Communion, whether it's at the font at baptism. These are all the places that the word of God is being preached to you for the forgiveness of your sins. And the proclaimed word, this message preached to you, is how God produces faith in your heart. The proclaimed word, the preached word, is where Christ is near to us. This also means that no one is going to be saved apart from the preached word. No one has faith without the word being preached to them. And this is exactly what St. Paul argues. How are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And in this we can distinguish law and gospel because everyone in the world knows morality. Everyone in the world knows something of the law in their hearts. Everyone everywhere has some sense of right and wrong. Everyone knows that they do wrong things. Everyone knows what it is to hurt someone else. Everyone knows that they don't live up to a perfect standard. Everyone knows that the world is a messed up and dangerous place. That's universal. However, people don't know the gospel unless it's preached to them. People don't know the forgiveness of sins unless they have a preacher who stands before them and tells them that their sins are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. Without a preacher of the gospel, People will live in guilt and shame and doubt, feeling that they have failed in this world. With a preacher, however, God gives his people the opportunity to hear 
that they are forgiven by calling upon Christ. That's why Paul can quote the prophet Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. To have a preacher of the gospel is the grace of God. And Lutherans don't believe that the preaching office, the pastoral office of word and sacrament, is just something made up by men. Instead, we believe that the preaching office is instituted by God as the means by which God brings faith to the hearts of sinners. And we have to be really careful here. Because we're not saying that the power is in the person who stands in a pulpit. The power is not that your pastor is a great speaker. It's not that your pastor is kind or intelligent. It's not that you connect with your pastor or that you like them personally. But the power comes in the proclamation of the word. It is the word of God that does it all. The preacher is simply there to be God's instrument in the office of the ministry. This means, as St. Paul says, that the person who fills this pulpit is sent to you by the Holy Spirit for your sake. The word that the preacher proclaims to you is the word that God uses to make faith in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. This also means that any preacher who stands in a pulpit has a responsibility and a sacrifice to make because a preacher of the gospel doesn't get to come into a pulpit and speak what is on his or her mind. A preacher doesn't get to share opinions. The preacher isn't here to entertain, to share cute stories. The preacher isn't here to try to manipulate you into believing something or feeling something. Instead, the preacher is called to stand before you and to preach to you the word of, the word of God. And so you must judge every preacher on that standard. You can ignore opinions from the pulpit, you can ignore jokes from the pulpit, you can ignore cute stories, but you must not ignore the proclamation of the word because that is where Christ is near to you. Now, culturally, the vocation of preacher has become a joke to many. Right on television, you can see preachers who are shady salesmen peddling some false gospel of prosperity. In movies and literature, we often see preachers as fools and drunkards, adulterers, who deserve to be scorned. And in reality, many of us know preachers who stand in pulpits, who do everything but give their congregation the gospel, who tell jokes, who tell motivational stories, who come unprepared, who say little about the word of God. And all of these are ways in which the devil undermines the gift that God gives us in his office of the preached word. But what God wants you to know is that the word proclaimed is how he brings you the promises. Nowhere else. This is why the congregation exists. This is why we as Christians come together and why it's so important for us not to neglect coming to worship. In fact, this is precisely what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Hebrews says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we hear that part, right? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. We must not neglect coming to hear the word preached to us. 
Not because coming to church is about doing something good for God. Not because God needs us to come to church. Not because God needs our tithes and our offerings. But because your faith is given to you through the preached word. When you neglect coming together in worship, you turn away from how the Holy Spirit produces faith in your heart. And let's be clear, you're not saved by church attendance. However, God wants us to come together to hear his word being preached because this is how he's going to bring the gospel to us. And so church attendance itself is never just about a box to check off of your good works. Instead, it's about God wanting to deliver his gracious promises to you through the preaching of his word. He wants you to know the presence of Christ in your life. God wants the faith of your heart to trust more and more in his graciousness. And so he has given you the gift of his word being preached to you for the forgiveness of your sins. So when we as Christians neglect that gift, we do so at the peril of our very faith. And so let me close to you with giving you the promise. Because this is the promise that every preacher is called to give to you as a congregation. And that is the promise here that Paul delivers to us in Romans chapter 10. When you call on the name of Christ, you are saved. This means, dear Christian, that in the name of Jesus Christ, you are saved. Not because of anything you do, not because you've shown up this morning, but because God has shown his love for you in his Son. Call on Jesus Christ and you are saved. There's nothing else. Do not doubt it, but trust it. You are saved. And in fact, Jesus Christ is near you right now. And he has come to you right now not to condemn you, but to give you life. Believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins. And God promises, he promises in his word that you will not be put to shame. Trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen.